Welcome to the WP Tonic WordPress and SaaS podcast. Jonathan Denwood and his co-host Stephen Souder interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Take it away, guys. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic show this week in WordPress and SaaS, where we cover the world of WordPress and Boots bootstrap SaaS founders and people trying to make a living out of WordPress or their startup SaaS. We've got a great guest this week. We've got Paul Charlton, the founder of WP Tuts, one of the largest YouTube channels. I watch it myself. So does Stephen. I'm excited. We're going to be talking about YouTube, Gutenberg, Elevator a host of really interesting subjects. So, Paul, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the WP Tonic tribe? Absolutely. First of all, let me just say thank you for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, so basically, my name is Paul C. Paul Charlton. I run a YouTube channel called WP Tuts, if you're not familiar with it. And the whole point of the channel is helping you create more powerful, more comprehensive, and more complex WordPress websites by expanding beyond the basics and encompassing tools like advanced custom fields, creating your own listing websites, dynamic websites, just basically helping you to either improve your own personal skills or if you run this as a business, to improve your possibility to earn good income by going beyond what your typical WordPress developer or web designer can actually do. And that's kind of the foundation behind the channel and what I tend to do with WordPress. That's great. And I've got my great co-hosts. Stephen Saunders. Stephen, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Yeah, my name is Stephen Souter from hustlefish.com. We help agencies make WordPress simple by handling hosting, maintenance, and web dev. And before we go into the main part of this exciting interview, I got a message from our major sponsor. We'll be back in a few moments. Hi there, folks. I just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor, and that's Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a top quality podcasting platform, and that's what you get with Castos. It has a superb interface, really easy to use, and you're not penalized for success. They have a flat rate pricing structure. Don't matter how many podcasts you make, how many downloads you achieve, you'll just pray at one fixed rate with Castos. Plus there's support and just the quality of the people are just amazing. Also, for the WP Tonic Tribe, Castos is just offering an amazing deal. If you go to the WP Tonic website, backlink newsletter, you can get your first six months at half price. That's right, half price. That's only an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Also, you'll be able to sign up for the WP Tonic Week weekly newsletter which keeps you informed about all the stories and what's happening in the wp tonic tribe please show your support for the show and support castos it's a fantastic platform we're coming back i also want to point out that castos is doing a fantastic deal if you go to the wp tonic slash newsletter you'll be able to see that offer, which is basically six months at half price exclusively for the WP Tonic Tribe. So, Paul, let's start off. So 
you've got this fantastic channel. You've put tons of work into it. I, I've learned a load from you. I look forward to your new YouTube videos. So on this road to YouTube domination, what are some of the lessons that maybe you could share with the listeners and viewers that you wish you had known at the start of your YouTube ch- journey, Paul? Find a real job. <laughs> I told Sorry, Stephen you would say that actually you owe me money now Stephen <laughs> Stephen I'm just saying nothing uh, no I mean probably the, the thing I wish I'd known right back at the beginning was to focus on a specific niche you know a lot of people will go into creating YouTube channels and creating they have a love of something like vehicle repairs or in my case web design and things And then you'll try to be all things to all people. And the problem with that is nobody really knows what it is you're trying to do, including yourself. So for me, I think if I'd thought about this and planned it a little bit better with hindsight, which we know is 2020, I probably would have focused straight away on creating dynamic web design, you know, using tools like WordPress, advanced custom fields, those kinds of things. But alongside that, I think... WordPress itself and the ecosystem around it has moved on so much over the last 24 months that there are so many more tools that make it much more accessible to be able to create the things that right back at the beginning of my YouTube journey may have been a lot more complex and a comprehensive sort of topic that may have sort of like alienated some people. Whereas now I think the topic is so much more broad with so many more tools that make it much more accessible for everybody. And you can definitely see that if you take a look at the tutorials that I created probably three years ago compared to where they are now. Tools like Elementor, tools like Jet Engine, you know, advanced custom fields, all those kinds of things. They are getting much, much easier and much more accessible for so many more people, which I think is fantastic. So, yeah, I think my biggest lesson, my biggest takeaway right back at the beginning would have been niche down, find out what people want to learn about and focus predominantly on that. There's nothing wrong with looking at areas around it and complementing the skills that you, you're trying to impart. But I definitely think focusing on that niche would have been the best thing right back at the beginning for me. Have you got any insight about how you find out, you know, I totally agree with you, Paul, but have you got any insight about how people find out what the audience really wants from the channel? Yeah, I mean, th- this is an art and a science in in, in its own right. Uh, and there are some great tools out there that help you, you sort of find out what people are asking questions that are sort of being asked on, on places like YouTube. And I think one of the best places is look at the channels that you aspire to be like, you know, in whatever uh, niche that you're actually looking to get into and become involved in the comments, the feedback that other creators are getting and see what the people that are actually involved in the comment section are asking and not getting answers to because as a YouTube creator, you get you create a video and you put it out there and you get lots and lots of questions that can be related to that topic, but you also get a lot of questions that are not related to that specific topic and they can often go unanswered. And I think there's a lot of really useful information to take away from the comment section on a YouTube video getting involved in the Facebook groups for Elementor, for Advanced Custom Fields, for WordPress, you know, whatever kind of thing you want to niche down into. Look into those places, see the questions that are being asked coming up time and time and time again, and then look at answering those questions because there's already a market, an audience there 
looking for answers to that that's not being served. So that's what I would suggest, especially at the beginning of your journey where you have no reputation, no audience, no viewership, and no um, no clout, shall we say, in the industry that you're trying to get into. So look into it, be as helpful as possible, become involved in all these different areas and create content around the questions that you see are being asked again and again and again. When you first started diving into the YouTube creation platform, um, what were you focusing on? You said you like you wish you would have like niched down earlier, but like was it still WordPress? Like was that still a niche, or was it like wider than that? Like what was that spectrum that you covered at the beginning? Well, the funny thing was, um, I originally started a totally different channel. And I, I still have three channels. I only actually focus on the WordPress one right now. But the first one that I did was all to do with music production because I've had a, a real passion for creating music in a home studio environment where people, you know, don't have huge budgets, but they still want to get great results. So that's kind of where I started. I kind of I like to take my passions and as I learn things, then I create content around those things to help other people that have probably stumbled upon exactly the same things that I stumbled upon trying to learn. So when I kind of moved into the WordPress side of things, what I was doing was at the time I was working with Visual Composer, which is a page builder that was very popular at the time. So I created content on Visual Composer. And you know, don't get me wrong, it got good viewership. It got good traction. It's still one of my top videos with over 350,000 views on 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 one of them from like two years ago, which is pretty wow. decent, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of ironic for a platform that doesn't really get used anywhere near as much as it did six or seven years ago. So, I mean, my background is teaching. I spent 10 years as an IT trainer, and I used to take my passions into, into the education sector, create courses around that, and then find people that were interested in that and get them to come and fill my courses up. And the natural progression from there was to combine that with video and just make a platform that allowed me to reach more people, you know, while still working a a sort of nine to five job as a web designer and graphic designer kind of thing. So that's kind of what I I sort of, that's how I kind of ended up getting onto YouTube. That's how I kind of ended up going into this particular sector, just taking the things that I was learning day to day and thinking, right, okay, other people can make a business out of this the same as I'm doing. So how can I show people what they need to know to level up as quick as possible to start generating revenue, whether that's from friends and family or local businesses or, or whatever? And that's always been my passion, you know, is to take things that I can learn and just share them in, in any medium possible and help other people do the same thing, but quicker. Yeah. Was, was that niching down process uh, like an organic thing that happened or was it some, a very deliberate decision that you had to make? Well, it, it was it was fairly organic, to be honest. Um, I mean, to, if I if I go back to uh, when I was a web designer, one of the, the sort of first things I did was I created my own content management system. So as part of that, you kind of understand relational databases, you understand the whole dynamic side of things. And as ACF and you know advanced custom fields and tools like that became more accessible to more people, and tools like Elementor opened up the doors to working with dynamic content and making that easier. It was a natural progression for me to kind of combine WordPress alongside those tools to create something that I didn't see was being served very well. But that was more a case of stumbling into it, finding that it wasn't being served very well and finding that there was an audience for that more advanced WordPress kind of topic. So 
there have been certain aspects of my YouTube channel that have definitely been, you know, specifically thought out, planned out in advance. But there's also a lot of just organic stumbling upon things um, and then going with them and, and taking them further than that initial finding sort of like led me to, if that makes sense. So um, what are some, how, how much time do you spend each week on this YouTube channel, this beast, Paul? <laughs> and what are some of the key equipment or software that you use to help you produce your fantastic videos, Paul? Uh, oh, right. How long, how long do I spend on it? If I go back to when the, um, the pandemic hit, shall we say, which is about, what, 20 months ago, something like that, um, most of my clients are sort of self-serving. In other words, I've created content management system or I've built them around WordPress and so on. So they don't need me on a day-to-day -day basis. So I kind of looked at what was going on in the UK at the time and thought, right, I can see where this is going. My business is going to kind of flatline for the foreseeable future. So what do I do? That led me to double down on the YouTube channel. So I went from doing on average two videos a week to doing five videos a week. I kind of thought, right, I'm going to put all my efforts into this now because this is something that I can grow that gives me control over this. I don't need to be looking for new clients. I don't need to be looking for, you know, sort of service, serving those businesses that are probably struggling because they don't know when they're going to be able to make money. So I kind of doubled down on that side of things, went into creating videos five days a week. That sort of took up, as you can imagine, a huge chunk of my time. Uh, but re with regards to the equipment that I use, I basically in the last year, pretty much a year to this, this month, I moved everything over to Apple. And the key reason for that was when they brought out the M1 chip, that was getting great sort of feedback with regards to working with Final Cut Pro. And prior to that, I was Premiere, you know, using all the Adobe suite and so on. So moving over to that means that I can produce content you know, the editing side of things much, much quicker than I could do when I was working with a very high spec PC, but working with Premiere, which if, if you've ever used it, you'll know it gets very sluggish very quickly. So I kind of streamlined the business side of things so I can create content now much, much quicker. I recently built a studio that's dedicated to working on the, the videos, which is where I am right now, which means that I can have my gear set up and ready to roll within minutes. So I can literally sit in the house with a laptop. I can plan out what I want to do, test things out on the laptop, and then I can literally come out, set things up, and I can be up and recording in five minutes, and then I can go through the whole process of creating content. Um, so the amount of time I spend on it, it is my full-time job now. I mean, that's wow. without a shadow of a doubt, it is my full-time job. I've moved over to content creator. I don't like saying YouTuber because there's a certain conversation comes with being called a YouTuber. So I'll just say I'm a content creator. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where, where I am right now. It is my full-time job. <laughs> so uh, when you're sitting down to create a tutorial, I, a couple of years ago, I was like, hey, I'm going to start creating some content. I sat down, created a couple of tutorials, went back, watched them, threw them all out. They were terrible. Uh, how how do what is your process? How do you? It never stopped me, Stephen. I just throw <laughs> it up on YouTube. Hasn't stopped me either. <laughs> uh, but like, do you script things out? Do you have? Do you run through a couple ideas of how you're going to approach something? Um, how, from when you have the idea to when you're actually filming it, like, what does that process look like? I'll say yes to all of the above. Um, basically, 
I have no set plan to how I work on things. It all depends upon whether it's a quick video, sort of like a, an opinion piece, which literally I'll just sit down with whatever software or tool that is that I'm kind of, kind of looking at. And I will literally just go through it on screen with whoever's watching, you know, whether that's live or whether that's being pre-recorded. And I'll give you sort of my warts and all thoughts and opinions if I stumble across something or stumble on something. I'll just leave that in there. Then you've got the sort of more planned out content where I'll have an idea of what I want to do. I'll run through the basics of it just so I can get it into my head, the process. And then depend upon the complexity of it, I'll sit down and I will create a checkpoint list of what needs to be done in order. And they'll just literally be bullet points. Maybe I'll flesh things out if there's a couple of extra sections that need to be highlighted to make sure I don't miss those points. Because as you probably know, you could miss one checkbox in the first 10 minutes and then an hour into the video, you've got to go back because you forgot to check something and that has a massive knock-on effect. So I'll do that kind of thing for the more comprehensive tutorials, like where I do the how to build like a, uh, a listing website or a real, real estate website or something. And then there's things that are much more comprehensive, at which point I will generally tend to script out these sections in between that have my introduction and then each segment in between will be scripted out so I can use that as a segue to the next piece of screen recording. But I've kind of just literally in the video that I put up today, which is the first one like it, I've changed things over slightly. And what I'm doing now is I'm actually recording everything on camera that you can see right now. I'm recording the screen at the same time with the microphone going through my screen recording software. And then I'll actually cut in between. So it makes more sense to be a little bit more, when I need to be showing something on the screen, I can show something on the screen and we'll, I'll screen capture that. But the bits in between where traditionally I would have been still, you know, the screen capture going on and me talking, which can have nothing actually going on on screen. Now you'll have me talking to camera. So I'm always streamlining the process. I'm always looking for ways in which I can become faster at what I'm doing. I can turn things around quicker. I can increase the production quality without increasing the amount of time that I spend on it. So it really does come down. And if it's sort of like um, sponsored content, I'm working with a brand or a company, then it depends what the relationship's like with those. Like, for example, with Crocoblock, who I work with uh, quite a lot, then I'll have an outline of what they want, and I will go through and hit the key points, submit it to them, make sure they're happy with that, that I've hit those key points. And if not, I'll, I'll add something extra in there just to make sure that those key points are met. But yeah, it, it's it's really quite a fluid sort of way of working. And I'm not, like I say, I'm always looking for ways in which I can streamline my process just to make the quality better, the speed and the time it takes me to sort of like produce content, just, you know, more fluid, should we say, a little bit streamlined. Well, that's great. I think we're going to go for our break. When we come back, we're going to be delving into what Paul thinks of Gutenberg Alimator, where he feels WordPress is going. Should be a, a another fan, fascinating conversation. We'll be back in, back in a few moments. Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power of WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? And you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding? Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively 
Lee with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Elementor or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. Plus, if you go to the WP Tonic website, backlink newsletter, you'll get an amazing deal of the Launch Flow's lifetime deal. I think you almost get a third off, which is just amazing. And it's just an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Please show your support for Launch Flow's who's a sponsor of the WP Tonic podcast and for the show itself. It's much appreciated. Hi there, folks. Are you involved in the building of new websites or supporting WordPress websites as a freelancer or agency owner? If the answer is yes, we've got a great tool here, Avereen. As you know, you can waste a tremendous amount of time with email or phone tag with your clients around a new WordPress build-out or supporting multiple websites. It can be a real pain in the posterior. But with Avereen, you get essential interface where clients can log in and with an easy visual interface, they can show you the changes they require. It's a real game changer and it will save a tremendous amount of time and frustration, not only for yourself, for your team, also, Avareem have given us a great offer. It basically only costs you $1 to try their program. It's really fantastic. If that sounds interesting, go to the WP Tonic website, WP Tonic, backlink newsletter, and you'll be able to try this great product, like I say, for just $1. What a fantastic offer. See you soon, folks. We're coming back. You've got some other fantastic sponsors, messages that you've been listening to. Please go to WP Tonic um, slash newsletter. You see some special offers there around our great sponsors. Um, So, Paul, you know, it's been a windy road when it comes to Gutenberg, but we do... um, I've been a little bit critical, but not of the concept of Gutenberg, just how long it's taken to get to where we are. Um, But that's fine for me. I'm not trying to build a new engine as the plane's flying, am I? Um, So where do you feel Gutenberg is at the present moment? And where do you think it's going to be by the end of 2022? Where do I think it is at the moment? Um, I think that Gutenberg is really only becoming a useful tool through the advent of third-party companies coming on board and filling the huge, huge gaps <laughs> that I can't term it a page builder because it's not a page builder. Yeah. If, you, if you ask me, and this is my own personal opinion, nobody else's, um, is it's okay, it's great for creating blog content. And that's fine. When you go beyond that, you start to need adding in third-party tools to actually, there's just too many gaps in it. It's really, really very basic. And three years in, could you imagine a page builder company come along and charge you money for this? And three years in, this is where they were. You know? Well, you you wouldn't. Um, But it's difficult, isn't it? I sense you're very... You try and be, um, I'm struggling now for the right word, Paul. Um, You try and be balanced um, and fair. Um, But, you know, my feeling about this is it's been a bit of a train wreck in some ways 
Would you agree with that? What's your feelings about how it's been handled? (laughs) Yeah, I think um, handled not very well. If you ask me, the the first thing they should have done, uh, and like I say, I'm not telling them what to do at the end of the day. It's, It's their business and they can decide whatever direction they want to go in. For me, and I've said this all along, they would have been so much better to have either bought out a company that built was a page builder, you know, maybe a smaller page builder, but a company that has a track record in understanding how to Beaver develop builder. something. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. But has a track record of being able to build effective, uh, easy to use page builders and then utilize either their technology or their skills, knowledge, and understanding of that type of system that they need to put in place. Because if you if you look at Gutenberg as it is, three years in, it's still incredibly clunky. You know, you want to do simple things and it's not easy. The fact you've got such a massive disconnect between what you see on screen when you're actually creating content to what you see on screen on the actual website's front end, that's like going back six or seven years ago, back to a page builder like Visual Composer, which everything was made out of blocks. You know, you literally had to keep switching back and forth between those two different areas to see what it is you were doing. And that makes the whole process less intuitive, more time-consuming, and just really not a a good experience. We're all so used to everything being what you see on screen is what you're going to get. Your head is there, your foot is there, your layout is there. Your whole templating system is visible as you're editing content. So you can make decisions in real time. And Gutenberg doesn't give you any of that. And I don't see it ever being in a position where it's going to give you that. As for where do I think it's going to be at the end of 2022, pretty much where it is now and where it was this time last year. We might get, I don't know, um, some typography settings or something you know, earth-shattering like that. Um, Full-site editing. Nice idea, but surely it would have made more sense to have completed the actual builder part of it before they started trying to build the second phase which is now adding even more complexity into your experience of designing something where you have to use a specific type of theme, one that supports full-site editing. You know, you have to then learn how Gutenberg is going to work with full-site editing while working in the back end of things and, and going back and forth. It's, it's just not a nice experience. I don't think so anyway. Yeah, it's definitely, <clears throat> it's definitely challenging. It feels like... Um, I remember when at State of the Word, when Matt was talking about Gutenberg when it was first coming out and like trying to address the issues of like somebody trying to get like an image line to the left and their text line to the right and how people just don't know how to do that. Um, and it feels like if that's where they, if that was the trajectory, they, they, they hit that, right? This weird in-between <laughs> spot between a page builder and their old editor. And, but then it got billed and sold as like a actual page builder, which I part of me yeah. feels that like maybe it was never supposed to be that, but mm-hmm. that was the perception and the anticipation that everybody had. And so now it's in this weird place in between these two worlds that um, feels strange. Yeah, I mean, uh, they didn't they didn't help themselves by working on full site editing. I mean, they might have started out as it not being a page builder per se, but the reality yeah. is once you put full site editing in, you make it a page builder by its very yeah. nature. You know, you now have control over the page content and the design using the same type of tool. So they, they dug the hole and, you know, maybe they should have stopped digging two years ago. And you've got to ask yourself, why is the classic editor still 
so much more highly rated than Gutenberg and so many downloads compared to people using Gutenberg. You know, there's a reason behind these kinds of things. I don't think it's just nostalgia. What is currently your favorite like WordPress stack? Like if you're going to point somebody in a direction to build a site like Ed with like a page builder or classic editor or Gutenberg, like what are the plugins that you would point oh them to? Oh my God, you're asking, to Paul, you're asking Paul to commit suicide. You're <laughs> asking him to choose a page builder from 50. But yeah. off you go, Paul, I, commit suicide. I'm, I'm normally pretty vocal when it comes to these things anyway. I think it all kind of comes down to lots of different types of decisions and what you actually want out of what you're trying to do. I don't think there's any perfect stack because I think if you are someone that wants to create dynamic content and you want to do that inside a page builder, you have specific ones that you can use. I mean, whether we like it or not, Elementor is still the top one there for working inside that. But then close on the heels of that coming up, I think we all need to be keeping an eye on Bricks Builder because that is definitely taking on some of the big boys at their own game. You know, if you if you look at a lot of the feedback with regards to people that use the different tools, there's a lot of people getting really frustrated with the likes of, of Elemental, for example, that they don't feel like there's a, they feel like there's a disconnect between what users want, you know, pro-level users. We're not talking about your, your hobbyist or someone that's doing a site for their, their own business. I'm talking about people that run agencies or, you know, they're doing this as a, a bigger business kind of thing. Then if you look at something like Bricks, they're doing the opposite approach. They're listening to what's being said. They're taking on board what makes sense and not just putting everything in there, not throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, at it and seeing what sticks. They're looking at, okay, what makes the builder better? What makes the builder something that would steal market share from those people that are not being currently served? And I think they are going the right way. So for me, it's not there yet. There's still gaps it need to fill especially when it comes to dynamic content, but it came out of the gate swinging. And I think that's that's something to keep an eye on. Elemental is probably still the top one that I would suggest for most people to use, especially, like I say, if you want to go into the more advanced designs where you want to create your entire site, you want to customize all WooCommerce, you know, those kinds of things. Plus the ecosystem that's around it is massive. You know, you want to go way beyond what Elemental could do, then you've got, you know, sort of software like dynamic content for Elemental. You've got the Crocoblock suite. All those things give you massive amounts of possibilities, all wrapped up in sometimes hard to learn, but putting the time and effort in pays dividends. And that's, again, that's the whole point of why I've created so much content around those kinds of tools is to impart the knowledge, the sort of the stumbling blocks that I've come across over the, the sort of like the years. So I don't think there's a, there's a perfect stack. I mean, you've got to look at Oxygen, for example. It is, it's a much more, developer focused. I don't say you need to be a developer to use it because that, that would be wrong. But if you have a background in HTML, JavaScript, and CSS, you will get on so much better with a platform like Oxygen and you'll be able to get so much more out of it because of the way it's been built to cater for those kinds of things. But if you're a beginner, you can still get a lot out of it. You'll just get more by knowing more. Um, when it comes to some of the other ones, I really... Divi is playing catch up because I think it's set the rest on its laurels for way too long. Uh, Beaver Builder is very niche, and I don't really know it well enough to comment on it. I do want to spend some time, but I know a lot of people that use it will swear by it because it's it's built around stability. And in the WordPress ecosystem, stability counts for an awful lot, especially if you are making money and charging people to build sites for them and those kinds of things. So 
for me, like I say, I think it would still have to be elemental for most use cases, depending upon where you are on the sort of the ladder. And if you want to go beyond that, then I would say probably keep an eye on something like bricks and also take a look at oxygen. So I might have just dug myself a grave, but hey. Well, you threw yourself in it, but there we go. Yeah. Uh, um, like yourself, um, I've got broad shoulders. I get the impression yeah. that you have. Let's go back to the Gutenberg um, before we, we wrap up the podcast part of the show and go on to the bonus content. I've also got some questions from the live audience that I will be putting to Paul in the bonus content. Um, but let's wrap up the podcast discussion. Let's go back to Gutenberg, Paul. So I totally agreed with your comments around Gutenberg, but um, can the third-party providers, can they come on the white horse and rescue this project? They seem to be doing it. It does, but I totally agree. It's it's actually the add-on plug-in providers that are really getting it to a stage where it could be considered usable in any way. Yeah. First of all, would you agree with that? And what are some of the key players that are coming to the rescue of this project? Oh. Absolutely. I would 100% agree with that. I think without these third-party add-ons, Gutenberg would just be floundering even more so than it currently is. So the main players, I would say you've got to look at Stackable. Um, I know there's been a bit of a, a thing around version 3 because they've changed the way a lot of that works to allow for the future expansion. But I think they're doing a fantastic job of that. Their dynamic integration with that is also opening a lot of possibilities. So I really want to see how companies will run with that side of things because that is something that's definitely underserved. And I don't really see Gutenberg ever really addressing that above you know, where you've got the loop and things like that that's, that was added recently. Uh, you've also got Cadence Blocks. Obviously, that's doing uh, really, really well. You've also got Gutten, yeah, Gutten Blocks. What is it, Gutten Block? No, uh, Generate Blocks. I apologize. That's a really solid platform for doing your initial building side of things. And we know that the Generate Press has a really good sort of reputation for creating a great, great theme. And I think their Blocks plugin is definitely doing the same kind of thing. So for me, they are some of the big players that I think you need to keep an eye on. You know, there are lots of other ones, like at least at Equid and stuff like that out there, which I, I don't really use that much. Um, but yeah, they, they, they're the things that are making Gutenberg more usable because at this point in time, Gutenberg on its own, if you open that up, just as the plain, I say editor, just as that, you just look at it and you go, well, what can I do with this? this you know, I can change the text, I can adjust some colors and I can put a button in. I've got some really, really dodgy looking image effects I can apply. <laughs> What else can I do? You know, and, and, and that's it. I think if, if you're a designer, you just look at that. And that's like just giving an artist a pencil and saying, get on with it, you know, do the Sistine Chapel with a pencil. You know, it's, it's just, it, it would be laughable if it wasn't something that was out of our controls to accept or, or reject, you know? And I think that's the sad thing about it. So yeah, third-party plugins and companies, I think they are going to be, as you say, the white horse that's going to make it a usable product for most users. Yeah, this is, um, and, but you're not on message, Paul. You've got to understand that people use WordPress because of Jetpack. Uh, um, so, <laughs> so you're, like, you're like me, Paul. You're just not on message. This is oh, the problem, Paul. Story of uh, my life. All right, there we go. 
Um, so, Paul, um, how can people find out more about you and your thoughts and what you're up to? Uh, well, there's a couple of different ways. Um, easiest place would be obviously on YouTube, just to search for WP Tuts. That's W-P-T-U-T-S. And you should find over 600 videos on there. Uh, there's also a really active Facebook group, which, again, you can just do a search for WP Tuts, and that will come up on there. And you can follow me on Twitter, again, WP Tuts, but with a Z at the end of it. Uh, just do a search for WP Tuts. I'm everywhere. So if you want to sort of get involved in the conversation, and I say I'd love to see you over on the Facebook group because that has over 7,000 really, really solid users. It's a fantastic atmosphere, and that's just a great place to be. So any of those platforms and you can find me and you can get involved. Yeah, I just want to say, you you know, I've learned a lot from your videos. You just do a fantastic job, Paul. So, okay. Stephen, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to, Stephen? Uh, head over to hustlefish.com and if you need anybody any help with WordPress, be sure to reach out. And if you want to find out more about WP Tonic, the podcasts, the YouTube, the content, it's basically join a, sign up for the newsletter, WP Tonic Stroke Newsletter, and also join us on the WP Tonic WordPress Mastermind Group, where you find all the crowd from the Friday show contribute content, ask, answer questions really experienced in the WordPress ecosystem, please join us there. We'll be back next week with another fantastic guest. Remember to watch the bonus content, which you can watch on the WP Tonic YouTube channel. Um, we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 